a gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. When they were kids, yeah, sure, we're all going to have regrets. But talking too much with our kids won't be one of them. No matter what you talk about, love is what they'll hear. A thought from the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Visit us at mormon.org. Fantastic savings and special offers. Listen up for a special announcement. Monday, November 4th, 9.30 a.m. for three hours only. H.P. Olchi owner and president of Bernina is coming to Dave's Bernina in Provo for a presentation honoring Dave's Bernina for being the number one multi-store dealer. Bernina of Switzerland has been owned by one family for generations. Dave's Bernina has been associated with Bernina since 1960. Come in and meet Mr. Olchi Monday, November 4th, three hours only starting at 9.30 a.m. There will be free classes, discounts on machines and accessories, 48 months, no interest financing. You could win a new New Bernina 560, a $3,300 value, or win $300 in embroidery design. We'll give away Bernina Cutwork software, free refreshments, and lots of fun. Don't miss it. Call and register today. Space is limited at the 268 West Center Street Provo location of Dave's Bernina only. This is a guided meditation on parenting. Begin by finding a comfortable, relaxed position. Let out whatever stress is in your body. It could be from the time you left your daughter's blouse in the dryer too long and it shrunk four sizes, or when you donated her private diary to the public library, or when you thought chaperoning the school dance meant actually dancing in the school dance. Whatever it is, let it go. The fire you started with that experimental dinner, let it go. The time you drove away from the gas pump with the gas pump, Let it go. Three, very relaxed. Two, there you go. One. You don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent. There are thousands of teens in foster care who don't need perfection. They need you. For more information on how you can adopt, visit AdoptUSKids.org. A public service announcement from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, AdoptUSKids, and the Ad Council. On KSL News Radio. Traffic and weather together brought to you by the Larry H. Miller dealerships. Well, coming into Salt Lake City, kind of a problem. There's a crash at 5th South, and that's affecting the right lane. So you're going to have some slowdowns from the north interchange to that crash. Also, you have the pockets of the crowded traffic between I-80 and 90th South on southbound I-15. After that, it does get better. So there you go. Valcom, a leading provider of IT solutions, honors Debbie Mofford, Dev Mandalier, and Warren Strong, three of the top CIOs for 2013. In your KSL forecast, we are looking at a storm that is coming up 
later on a little bit in the early part of next week. That's going to be on Tuesday where we have some rain and some snow expected on that particular day. However, before we get to that, we have a couple of days of really sunny skies and highs are going to be in the upper 60s. 68 basically on Friday and Saturday. Kind of the same thing those two days. Overnight low of 41. And then the clouds start to roll in on Sunday. But right now in Salt Lake City, it's 60 degrees. You get the top stories every 30 minutes. Breaking news the second it happens. I'm Paul Nelson, KSL News Radio, 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Let me speak to the governor. A special statewide radio program brought to you by the Utah Broadcasters Association and KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. And welcome to Let Me Speak to the Governor. I'm Maria Shaleos, along with Governor Gary Herbert. And Governor, uh, we did this, what, just a few weeks ago, it, it seems? It seemed like just yesterday. <laughs> I know. And great. you know what? We're going to start out on the same topic that we pretty much left <laughs> off on just a few weeks ago, and that is the government shutdown. And um, a few weeks ago when we were talking, uh, they had just barely started the shutdown, and you, at that point, voiced your dismay for what was happening in Washington. And just kind of describe for us what kind of effect, how big was the impact on Utah? Well, it was a significant uh, impact on our economy, and certainly down in southern Utah in particular, uh, on the economic aspects of, of the state. Uh, we were losing probably three-plus million dollars a day. And economic opportunity was just the shutdown of our national parks. But it impacted other people, too, whether it be government workers that were furloughed, uh, uh, civilians, as well as federal employees or uh, military employees at Hill Air Force Base and other military establishment. People uh, needed uh, government assistance like WIC programs for women, infant, children, those kind of uh, safety net issues. So it had a dramatic impact. And I'll say, like I said uh, a couple of weeks weeks ago it's blamed to go around for everybody but it's there's no winners that came out of this this has been a lose-lose and certainly the people have been suffering but the good news is we're back here tonight and the government's back in operation uh, we were able to get the, the parks open and salvage a lot of the season for the folks down in southern utah and found a way to do things in a collaborative fashion which i think ought to be replicated back in washington dc I heard an ABC report that said something like 78% of Americans really didn't feel much impact. Do you think Utahns felt the impact more than maybe people in other states? Well, I think it's regional. Uh, you know, it depends on the situation. I know when I was working the Department of Interior on this issue, you know, they at least recognized that in southern Utah, where we have five national parks, the impact of that closing has a much more dramatic effect uh, to the economy than maybe the closing of the arch in St. Louis or some museum in North Carolina. So, uh, again, for the impact of that region, uh, you know, it's not always the same. And, and here in Utah, we certainly felt on the tourism and travel side, I think much more dramatically uh, for entire regions. On, on people that, you know, need uh, uh, government assistance, whether it be the TANF programs or the WIC uh, for uh, uh, women, infants, and children, uh, it's probably the same. You know, across the board, we have maybe more women with infant children <laughs> in Utah because we have a younger population. Our median age is only 29.2 years of age. So we might have had a little more impact in that uh, age group than other states. But uh, those things would probably cut a little more evenly across the board. The number to call if you have a question for the governor is one triple eight five seven five eight two five five. Now we've received a portion of that money back um, that the state uh, put out to for the national parks. 
how optimistic are you that we're going <laughs> to see the rest of that money? I'm very optimistic, actually. Uh, when I first uh, negotiated the the agreement with uh, Secretary of Interior Sally Jewell, we had a number of different proposals, but the last one that I gave to her that she agreed to was, we'll lend you the money. Uh, she didn't want us to take it over. She didn't want a partial opening and some other things we proffered. But she, uh, I said, well, let me just loan you the money, and you can keep all the federal employees. You'll uh, make sure they make get payroll and get their paychecks, and we'll keep it open as if there was no closure. And she agreed to that and said, we'll pay you back. Uh, we called it a loan. And uh, she, the next day when we were talking, she says, you know, I found out because of some laws, uh, the Anti-Deficiency Act, for one, said, we, I can't guarantee you that you'll get paid back. But I support you getting paid back. And uh, I says, well, uh, she says, you'll have to work with Congress on that. Uh, I said, well, we're going to send you enough money for 10 days as part of our agreement. And she said, I'll refund to you the unused portion. And what we've used basically those 10 days was six days. And she has. In fact, I just got the check today. And it took them a little longer. I was able to get the money to them and the contracts written up, drawn up, signed, and money delivered in 24 hours. It took them a week to refund the unused portion of the money. So we're a little more efficient than mm -hmm. they are back in Washington. But I do have the money back. And uh, that portion that was unused. And uh, we have a, n a number of different congressmen and senators introducing legislation to reimburse the states that uh, stepped up and helped out. And, and all of our own congressional delegation and our senators are all supportive of that. And a couple of them are introducing legislation in both their bodies to, to do that very thing. I'm wondering if this was a, an uncomfortable conversation with the federal government because couldn't it show that maybe Utah could do the job better than they are? <clears throat> Well, I think we certainly are capable of doing most things better than the federal government. We're closest to the people. Uh, we, in fact, respond. We're a lot more nimble. Again, the example of just sending a check. Mm -hmm. I, I did it in 24 hours, wired the money. It took them a week to refund the money back. And Is it an argument then maybe that Utah should take over? Well, we haven't argued that. Uh, you know, I think there's some uh, desire for us in Utah to have a stronger management and more input on the management of the land. And uh, for us to take over that responsibility, we certainly have offered that. Uh, we feel like that they have not honored their commitment when we became a state, which was to dispose of the land. And hence, we have a lot more public land. Some of it's beautiful and pristine and ought to be, in fact, uh, you know, uh, preserved. Others ought to be developed, and we have uh, impacts on our ranching, our farming, our natural resource development, our energies that probably could be managed more optimally. The management of our rangelands, our, our timber, our forests. You know, there's a lot of things I think we could do better uh, than the federal government. Uh, the national parks, uh, I just want them to keep them open, and uh, we use their personnel to uh, pay them so they could keep it open. But they kept all the fees, by the way. They kept all the revenue that came there. And uh, clearly that's another reason why we should be reimbursed. Uh, if, if not, we ought to kept the fees ourselves and we reimbursed ourselves just on the fees that came to the parks. By the way, we had just record turnouts once we opened them back up. Mm -hmm. We had uh, at uh, Bryce, for example, we had 471 cars and buses lined up to the opening of uh, Friday 3 p.m. opening. We had two miles of people backed up at Zions Park. Uh, it was clearly a, a significantly positive thing 
for the parks, for the people that were traveling many miles to come here and were disappointed they were open. I've been getting cards and letters and thank yous from literally all over the world. You know, it's amazing how much more we value something when we can't do it or can't have it. Well, common sense was just kind of cast aside with this government shutdown uh, in so many different levels. And when you see, uh, you know, down in our national parks, what got me really steamed is when they, our overlooks and turnouts were coned off, off of a state road, mind you, uh, State Highway 9. And people were, would pull off there to want to take a picture with their camera. And we're told they couldn't stop there. And, you know, and why? They weren't getting anybody's way. The lookouts were designed to do that very thing, but the parks are well, we're closed, and so you can't stop in here and take a picture. That was kind of nonsensical. It's like the World War II memorial back in Washington, D.C. Uh, that we heard a lot about. You know, people just would walk in there and look at the memorial. I mean, didn't have to have anybody to escort them or chaperone them through there, but we spent more time and energy putting up a fence and keeping people out than it would take just to let people walk through there. Well, that's the nonsense that people are tired of in Washington, D.C. And the example that sets for tourists, people who have maybe never been to Utah before, is not a good one. Not a good one for anybody. And uh, in Utah, again, that was one of my arguments with uh, Secretary Jewell. This is not just Utah. This is not just Americans. Our national parks, the majority of the people that come there are uh, international visitors. These are non-Americans. And they come here, they've saved up for maybe months and years, have had a date come here and find that the parks are closed. And they say, we don't understand. Is this how America runs their business here? So it was not a good example. It was not a good visual. And, again, for a lot of reasons, it was just important to open those parks, and not one of the least of which is that for international visitors who have scheduled vacation time to come to America and spend some time here in Utah. Governor, I'd like to change topics here for a second. Um, pretty scary thing happened on Capitol Hill this week uh, with a guy driving his, pretty much storming the Capitol, driving his truck all the way up the Capitol steps. First of all, your initial re I don't ever remember anything like this ever happening in Utah. So first of all, your initial reaction to what happened. Well, my initial reaction was one of just a little bit of uh, consternation, shock, and dismay uh, that was right above my, right to the side of my office, actually. So uh, as it turned out, I was up at the Weber State University involved in the inauguration of President Chuck White, who's uh, taking over Weber State. And uh, security let me know when I was done with that what had happened and uh, redirected my route uh, to, in a different direction. But the fact that somebody could leave the streets, go up the steps, up the walkways, up the big steps, all the way up to the, to the main floor level, and then uh, go inside and create a little bit of uh, mayhem, shows that we're a little bit vulnerable. And uh, we all know that, uh, you know, government, government officials, I've been the, the target of some of those kinds of antics, um, that we are targets. And it's usually those who are a little bit uh, mentally unstable. They've got some problems. Uh, and uh, But that's the reality that we live in, and it causes me concern that the capital is a safe environment. So because of it, it's spurned a review, and the security folks are going to be taking a look at the capital and see if there's things that should be done different. Uh, we have security in place, and I, I don't ever worry about it personally for myself nor for the legislators and other staff, but nothing is absolutely 100% secure. But uh, the question is, can we do better? 
And in light of what we see around the country and some of the incidents that have taken place, let's uh, take a look and review what's what our situation is at Capitol Hill. And, and I, that'll be done, and I expect I'll get a report back here in a couple of weeks. Right. I, if I remember correctly, one of the troopers um, said that when the Capitol was redone, <clears throat> that they actually took that into consideration and made the Capitol steps steeper so that couldn't happen. And this person just happened to have the right kind of vehicle that could actually make it happen. I don't recall. I think it was some kind of a Toyota. might have been a four-wheel drive. But uh, I've seen the video, and it didn't seem to slow him down at all. You know, and we have people that go out on the hills and the mountains and do four-wheeling all the time. And I think most people look at those stairs and say, gee, I think I can climb that up pretty easily. And depending on how fast you go, I don't think there's a lot of cars that couldn't make it up there if they got the height that they don't get uh, stranded, you know, or high-centered. But, uh, again, it's just something that causes us to reflect and review and make some maybe positive changes. And you were listening to Let Me Speak to the Governor, Governor Gary Herbert here with me. I'm Maria Shaleos. The number to call if you would like to get your question in for the governor, and we do have some callers standing by, one 575 We're going to take a four-minute break now for our broadcasters along the Utah Radio Broadcasters Network. A single ember from a wildfire can travel over a mile. It can ignite and destroy your home and even your community. To that ember, all those branches hanging over your roof might as well be giant matchsticks ready to spark. The pile of dry leaves and twigs clogging your gutters are the perfect kindling to start a fire. And all those debris piles and brush around your yard which you haven't taken care of yet are pure lighter fluid, ready to ignite. There are some fire hazards that aren't clearly marked, and they can impact you and your neighbors. Learn to spot them, because your home is better protected from wildfire damage when your whole community is prepared. Visit fireadapted.org for more tips on how to get started adapting your home and community to wildfires. A public service message brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service and the Ad Council. To use one word to describe itineraries, unique, amazing, challenging, rewarding, cultural, bright, exciting, fun, life-changing. That's two words. (laughs) I really love the one-on-one time I can get with the staff at Itineris. Itineris is the only school I know that you can have a civil, in-depth discussion on religion, politics, art, and contemporary science. All during lunch. Everyone is accepted. Everyone. Everyone is accepted. I love Itineris. I love Itineris. I love Itineris. You come as an ordinary student and leave with extraordinary skills essential to the real world. Itineris has allowed me to enroll in college-level courses almost effortlessly, and with their help, I'll complete my associate's degree before I graduate high school. Parents, to find out more about the benefits of sending your teenager to Itineris. Itineris. Itineris Early College High School. Visit online or call 801-256-5970. That's 801-256-5970. Itineris. That's 801-256-5970. Itineris Early College High School. It's time to protect and customize your truck. Jordan Camper at 7000 South State in Midville is the place for truck accessories, such as side steps, drop-in and spray-in bed liners, towing products and wiring, toolboxes, roof racks, cargo liners, cargo carriers, all-weather floor mats, mud flaps, fender flares, bug guards, side window guards, bed mats, bed rug, grill guards, bed slides, and much, much more. 
If they don't have the item you want in stock, they'll gladly order it for you. Fast, professional installation on everything they sell. Jordan Camper carries the highest quality of truck covers, work shells, and fiberglass and commercial toppers for your truck featuring A-R-E. Mention this ad and they'll give you dealer pricing. Jordan Camper, 7000 South State in Midville. Check out our website, jordancamper.com. KSL News Radio invites you to the Uplift Families Parenting Conference, October 26th at the Utah Valley Convention Center. Come be inspired, educated, and entertained by keynote speakers Richard and Linda Iyer. Enjoy international food and desserts as you browse through the various booths and exhibits. Hi, I'm Jeanette Herbert, First Lady of Utah. Join me October 26th for the Uplift Families Parenting Conference. Let's make a difference in Utah's greatest resource, our children. For more information, go to kslnewsradio.com. Join KSL News Radio and Jay and Amy from the browsers for a superhero Halloween, October 29th at 7 p.m. at a Providell Hall. Spooky music, crazy costumes, tricks and treats for your eyes and ears, as you'll enjoy great music from the Utah Symphony, all with a superhero theme. Compete in one of the state's largest costume contests starting at 5:30 p.m. For your chance to win free tickets, visit KSLNewsRadio.com. Join the Halloween tradition with the Utah Symphony and KSL News Radio. Line from your home to the governor of Utah. Toll free anywhere in the state. Call 888-575-8255. Let me speak to the governor on KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. You can also text your questions to 575-0-5750 and I will uh, get your question to the governor as well. I'm Maria Shaleos, along with Governor Gary Herbert. And, Governor, let's start out with Rob in Davis, and uh, he wants to talk about federal spending. Hi, Rob. Hi. Hello, Rob. Hello, Governor. How's it going today? Pretty good so far. Hey, my question for you is, is regarding federal government spending. Um, there's obvious there's a problem with it, and they seem really unwilling to do anything about it. And there's two ways that the Constitution can be changed for uh, uh balanced budget amendment one of them being congress fixes themselves which isn't going to happen the other one is the various states get together for a constitutional convention in which case three-quarters of them have to vote yay for it and then it happens and we force the government to fix themselves is it possible for utah to lead the way on something like that you know a similar kind of thing happened uh, when governor levitt was uh, governor as i recall i don't think it was necessarily going to be a constitutional convention but it was going to be a conference of the states to, again, talk in terms of what can we do to, you know, get a federal government on the straight and narrow path. And, and the, uh, the overspending was a part of that discussion. They had in Utah just a lot of people revolt against that. I mean, they just didn't want to have the Constitutional Convention. The argument has been that if we if we have a Constitutional Convention, you open up the Constitution to a lot of different changes and modifications. And there's a lot of fear that if you do that, you'd have what they call a runaway convention. And a lot of things that we have would be changed and modified. And and uh, even though the intentions would be good, there's just a lot of fear that, that would, the outcome of that would be uh, not good. Um, having a, con- a conference of the states, uh, which could be a little more n- narrowly con- uh, construed, 
I think had some appeal, but Governor Levitt, when he tried to do that, still had the same group that didn't want to have a constitutional convention come out and torpedo that. They thought this was a movement by the United Nations. Uh, they were concerned, again, that this was some way to, to, to a side door approach to changing our constitution and, and, and incorporate things that would be of a more liberal persuasion. So, um, I think it's going to be pretty hard to do that. If the idea is that we want to introduce a constitutional amendment to have a balanced budget amendment, uh, you wouldn't have to have a constitutional convention to do that. In fact, Senator Hatch has introduced uh, that a number of times. He came within one vote of getting it uh, passed out of the out of the Congress, the Senate, and the House, and uh, that would then gone on to the states to be ratified and, and amend the Constitution. Uh, so there's other ways to do it. I don't see anybody taking up the baton to have a constitutional convention here in Utah. Thank you. Okay, Governor, Bob in Orem is concerned about food stamps. Hi, Bob, what's your question? Hi, Governor Her- Herbert. Thank you for taking my call. How are you doing? Tonight, I'm doing sir? fine. Thank you, and welcome. Well, thank you. Uh, I appreciate everything you've done as governor. So um, here's my question, and I'm going to make a really quick comment after that we're that way you can see where I'm coming from. Okay. Um, speaking of our state budget, listening to the news, one out of four people are not eligible for food stamps or state assistance. And uh, I know, for for example, if I go uh, to a bank or credit union and get a loan, I'm put under the microscope. They pull my credit. They make sure I'm employed. I could pay everything back. And so in theory, what I'm saying is, is there something that you folks are doing um, to combat the people that are not eligible? Maybe put them under some further screening. Because, uh, for example, you have people that are racking up their debt, credit card debt, and then as a result, hey, I need help from the state. And uh, that that is totally not right, not fair to the rest of us that do everything I need to. I mean, personally, I'm in debt, but I pay my bills, and I'm not asking for any handouts. So my question is, is the state doing anything to combat this problem? Well, the answer is yes. And again, I would be the first to agree there probably is some fraud in people that are uh, taking advantage of government programs designed to assist people that really need help and taking advantage of the situation. To that uh, uh, line, though, we have, we have a fraud uh, line where people can call in anonymously and say, I think there's something going wrong, there's something to miss here with this particular situation or family. And I'll give you the number. Uh, the number is 855-403-7283. 855-403-7283. So we have an opportunity for people, if they see things that are inappropriate going on, you can call in, report it, and it will be investigated. We do have a significant uh, fraud unit that is designed to investigate these kinds of accusations. Uh, we have a, an inspector general that's designed to help with our respective offices to track down uh, people who are engaged in any kind of fraud. And we do vigorously prosecute. It might be of interest to you to know that even one is one too many, but we find that less than 1% of all of our food stamp cases, for example, we find any fraud. So, again, one is too many. But we do have opportunities for people to, if you see it, to call, and we'll investigate it, and we will prosecute. 
Governor, I think we lost him. Okay, well, he, n- <laughs> he might can call back if he has something to add to that. The number to call, one 888 You are listening to Let Me Speak to the Governor. We have Ben on the line, and Ben, you're going to be up next when we come back from the break. We're going to take a five-minute break for our so the, uh, the broadcasters know along the Utah Radio Broadcasters Network. Stay with us. Do you know the secret of losing one to two pounds of fat every day? Hi, I'm Dr. Michael Kunzler, and I know the secret. My unique doctor monitor program makes it easy to lose weight, build muscle, and get your energy back safely, naturally and effectively. If you love to peel off fat with no strenuous dieting, no excessive exercising, no surgery, and no harmful drugs, I can help. Call 855-REBALANCE. I'm Bonnie. I've lost 42 pounds, 38 inches, and my blood pressure's gone from 144 to 91. I feel great, and I want to thank the doctor for this experience that I've had. Hi, my name's Chad. Rawlings, I want to tell you about some great caring people who helped me change my life forever. I've lost over 85 pounds and 30 inches with rebalance weight loss, and I've never felt better in my life. I have more energy, my joints don't hurt anymore, and my blood pressure is now normal again. If you would like to have a life-altering experience with a weight loss management program that really works, give these people a call. They care, and what they do really works. Discover the secret of proven fast weight loss. Call me, Dr. Michael Tunzler, at 855-REBALANCE. KSL 24-Hour News Center. I'm Paul Nelson. KSL's top local story this hour. A tourist reportedly has struck and killed 3rd District Court Judge Anthony Quinn today. Investigators say around 2 in the afternoon, Judge Quinn was riding his 10-speed bike up Mill Creek Canyon when a 78-year-old man coming down saw, uh, down the canyon veered and struck him. They are going to go through and, and conduct a very thorough investigation, and once they are done with their investigation, they will present the case to the district attorney's office to determine what, if any, charges will be filed. Unified Police Lieutenant Justin Hoyle says Quinn died at the University of Utah Hospital after suffering critical injuries. Politics on KSL News Radio. Well, Utah's governor has ordered an intensive study of the potential impacts caused by a North Salt Lake medical waste incinerator. Gary Herbert notified Stericycle of the review today. The state health department will work with other agencies and experts to see if soils around the business have been contaminated. Stericycle has been the subject of several recent protests. And one of Utah's representatives hopes to protect Utah in any, in any case of a future government shutdown. And the numbers show it's needed. KSL News Radio's Mary Richards has more. Representative Chris Stewart has a new bill that would immediately let state officials take over national parks and monuments if the federal government shuts down again in the future. The governor's chief economist says Utah's tourism industry took a $30 million hit due to the shutdown. The bill would also let states take over any federal facility or program with direct economic impacts on the state. KSL's top national story this hour from ABC News. Two people were wounded and a suspect is in custody after a shooting near a Tennessee Navy base. Rita Stanbeck and the Millington chief of police. We were kind of hoping it was going to be a drill when we first got the call, but you know, you always have to take it serious and that's what we took it when we got the call. The gunmen and the victims are members of the Air National Guard. Coming up on KSL News Radio, we'll check your KSL forecast next, and it will be sunny tomorrow. KSL News Time is 632. All right. I know this isn't any fun to talk about, but we should. So, who's going to do what? Flashlights? Nowhere to be found. Where to be found? Batteries. Dead. Great. Emergency supply kits. Not packed. What about blankets? We have an old towel. Good enough. Cell phones. May not work. Uh, Emergency water? Not a drop. And what about food? Nope. Perfect. We all know where we're meeting if we're separated, yeah?
The library. Aunt Joan's house. The bus stop. Great. And I'll be waiting here wondering where you all are. Sounds like we don't have a plan. Who's up for mini golf? Winging it is not an emergency plan. Make sure your kids know what to do during an emergency. Who to call, where to meet, what to pack. Visit ready.gov slash kids for tips and information. A public service announcement brought to you by FEMA and the Ad Council. Traffic and weather together brought to you by the Larry H. Miller dealerships. Um, it looks like things are getting better out there. That one crash that was on southbound I-15 at 500 South, according to the incident list, has been taken away. Don't miss Christopher Nissan's spooktacular sale. Get an Altima for as little as 179 If your credit score is scary, Christopher Nissan's Real People Credit Program has a solution for you. And your KSL forecast. Well, we are expecting a storm, but that's not till Tuesday of next week. Before that, Friday and Saturday are looking pretty darn good. We have a high of 68 both days, overnight lows of 41 both days. And then the clouds start to roll in on Sunday, really start to kind of get bad on Monday. And like I said, on Tuesday, that's when we're expecting that storm. However, um, in the meantime, looks pretty good. Right now in Salt Lake City, it's 58 degrees. You get the top stories every 30 minutes. Breaking news the second it happens. I'm Paul Nelson, KSL News Radio, 102.7 FM and 1160 AM, Utah's news, traffic, and weather station. Budgets, taxes, roads. If it's on your mind, you need to speak to the governor. Call toll-free throughout Utah, 888-575-8255. Hear the answer on KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. And good evening. Welcome back to Let Me Speak to the Governor. I'm Maria Shaleos along with Governor Gary Herbert. And we take our first call this segment from Ben in Provo. And good evening, Ben. Hi, Governor. Um, I just want to thank you. I've, I've supported you. I've always thought you're a good, fair-minded governor. Well, thank you. Call my wife. <laughs> <laughs> will do. Will do. So uh, recently in the news, um, there was another school shooting. And so that's on, on my mind a little bit is, the, is gun control. And, um, you know, as we all know, many of us want the right to bear arms, but we also want to keep guns out of those who are mentally unstable or or felons or other types of individuals um and it is documented after the connecticut shooting that ksl stopped selling firearms on its on its classified website which would be a secondary exchange of firearms which is basically unregulated at this time um in the state of utah and so um anyone who is mentally unstable or a felon could potentially buy a firearm from somebody else on a secondary exchange without a background check. And I viewed this as a good symbol from KSL saying it's unwise to to do this. And so they backed away from that. I'm wondering your thoughts on if it's the right time for the state to step in and regulate the secondary exchanges of firearms. Well, it's a great question. I think anything having to do with uh, firearm regulation is something that needs a broad discussion. <clears throat> we have been uh, a state that's been very strong defenders of the Second Amendment, but we've ha- also had some realistic uh, requirements. For example, our concealed weapon permit, which uh, was an attempt this past legislative session to take that away that I vetoed the bill. 
So there's been some give and take out there. Not everybody sees it the same. You are right in saying that Utah has no laws regulating second exchanges for gun sales. And so these secondary sales are not regulated. There's no background check that's required. I'm one that believes in background checks. I think uh, we want to make sure that we keep guns out of the hands of those who are mentally unstable and uh, have those kinds of background problems that if we can, in fact, know that up front, I think that does give us at least a, a better chance to keep violence from occurring from uh, some kind of a mentally incapacitated or deranged individual. So uh, the background check aspects I do support. Uh, I hear the arguments against the uh, uh, second uh, sale exchanges as being pretty difficult to monitor and enforce. I don't know what the reality of that is. I think that is, again, something that probably is uh, timely and can be discussed uh, because I think most people do believe that there are certain individuals out there that should not be in possession of a weapon. So uh, in the answer to your question, do I think it's timely? It probably is. If the root cause of problems is mental health, then we need, need to not only have background checks, but we need to have more mental health solutions, a better mental health and, and treatment and opportunities to help people who maybe before they get so deranged that they take a weapon and start uh, creating mayhem, that they don't get to that step with, uh, with a deterioration. So again, mental health treatment is certainly a part of what we ought to also be discussing, and are we willing to put resources into that? So anyway, I think, you know, we're always a little concerned. I might just add parenthetically that when we had the shootings back in Connecticut and other places that I did order a review of all of our school districts. We have 41 in all of our schools to see if they, in fact, are meeting the law on safety requirements. Uh, and I just got a report back here just a, about two weeks ago from our state superintendent. And uh, although most of them were doing it, and, and when I say most, it was in the upper 90%, we still had a few areas that we could improve. And so that discussion as far as what we need to do to make sure that our schools are safety zones for our young people and uh, they're not uh, susceptible to any kind of violence is something that's an ongoing quest and something we take very seriously and are looking at currently. All right. Thank you for your call. Governor, we have several questions from texters. Let's take one here. Uh, the one texter wants to know how uh, or will there be any changes to the chip income guidelines for next year? Um, they're set in statute currently. And uh, if the federal poverty level changes, those chip guidelines may change. And, and, the, and the federal poverty level, you know, is given to us. That's the determination out of Washington, D.C., so I don't know. Uh, you know, there could be. It depends on what happens in Washington, D.C. Um, a question from a nurse wondering why nurses were not included in your recent health care summit. Well, uh, yeah, I, I, I think they were included. At least they certainly are invited. Uh, uh, absolutely. We've had people from all sides of the um, uh, health care issue, uh, for all kinds of practitioners, uh, business interests. Uh, so, uh, again, I don't know where we get the idea that they weren't invited or were not participating. They absolutely were. Okay, let's go to our next caller. David is in Orem. Hi, David. How can we help you? Hi, Governor. Just a suggestion of a way that the uh, fish and game could almost double their money. <laughs> I don't know if you're familiar with the hunting when they divided the state up into different sections and departments and stuff. And yes. Me as one hunter, is, you know, if, if I could pay an extra $50 and hunt 
Central and Southeastern and apply for two tags, you know, only get one tag, you can only kill one deer. Right. I pay an extra $50 to be able to step over the border and hunt in the in an adjoining uh, area. <clears throat> well, your idea may have some merit to it. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, the concern, I would think, uh, would come up, and it doesn't mean that's not insurmountable, uh, is uh, do we get too many hunters going to a favorite spot, and uh, too many hunters would equal too few deer. And so giving you more flexibility uh, is not a problem with me. Uh, it may be a, a problem with those who are tasked with managing the deer herd. And so that would be the only concern I'd have. The, the idea of, of giving you multiple choice and more flexibility in exchange for more money, that part I think we can all agree on. The only question would be, would it be the outcome, the unintended consequence be we'd have a reduction of deer herds and make them less viable going forward. So that's the only part of the, about that that we need to ask, David. Uh, and I'm certainly more than happy to have our Department of Natural Resources and our Division of Wildlife take a look at your suggestion. And by the way, uh, I, I just handed a number here for the Division of Wildlife. It was 801-538-4700. 538-4700 if you wanted to give them a call and, and run that suggestion by them. I'm more than happy to talk to our folks over there myself at our next cabinet meeting. Well, I appreciate that, Governor. And keep up the good work. We love well, you. Thank you, David. Uh, okay, Governor, let's go to Jeff now. Let's take a call from Richfield. Hi, Jeff. What's your question for the Governor? Hello, Governor. I was calling to um, see how the progress for Prosperity 2020 is coming um, and who um, who I can talk to about that or if I have, you know, who, who tracks the progress there or who oversees that project. Well, there is a web page, I think, for Prosperity 20, uh, Prosperity 2020. I think it's Prosperity2020.com. You can see what the website would give you as far as information that would be current. Uh, we're involved with our Education Excellence Commission, and we work very closely with the Salt Lake Chamber of Commerce. And so you could contact the, the chamber and see what information they would have to, to share with you at this uh, point in time. We really have merged the idea of uh, increasing education excellence into our goal of 66 by 2020 meaning that we want to have two-thirds of our adult population by the year 2020 to have some kind of post-high school, either a certificate, an associate degree, or a full degree. We're trying to change the culture in Utah to think K-16 through 16 rather than just K-12. through 12. And we recognize that if we're going to have a healthy economy that continues to grow and expand as it's capable of doing, that the skills necessary in the labor force have got to be improved and increased. Uh, along with that, too, we're doing more work with alignment, meaning that we need to have better counseling in our schools so that people, uh, students that they go through school, find out what their aptitudes are, where they have you know, an affinity for a certain kind of discipline. Maybe they're good in math. Maybe they're good in science. And we hopefully direct those people to make the choice of going maybe into one of our STEM programs, science, technology, engineering, or math. Yeah. Which is where a lot of our jobs are. We we have jobs going wanting today because we don't have qualified uh, labor. 
I just met uh, yesterday at lunch. I had 30 different CEOs in IT from around the state. Each one of them talked about we need to hire more people. They are worried about the pipeline of labor. So clearly this effort of Prosperity 2020 has to do with our 66 by 2020. Uh, it has to do with our uh, desire to increase the bar when it comes to educational achievement so that our economy can continue to grow and prosper. And frankly, we're making some good headway. But specifically the chamber, you could contact uh, them and see what they have to say. But we're working hard. And really, uh, what I'm glad to see is everybody's pulling together. And, and the the concept of 66 by 2020 is really f- helping us to focus on what the end game is, what we're trying to accomplish, and help us focus and pull together in the educational arena. Too much of our time has been spent fighting each other and pulling apart rather than unifying and pulling together. So I think Prosperity 2020, our goals of 66 by 2020, are going to help us resolve some of those differences. Okay, well, thank you very much. So and, is it the Salt Lake Chamber that is... Uh-huh, Salt Lake Chamber is, 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 has that as part of their efforts, part of their mission. Most all the chambers in the state have adopted it. And the Salt Lake Chamber kind of touts itself as being the chamber for the entire state of Utah, bringing, again, people together. And it's helping. I, again, we've put a lot of money, 300 plus million dollars in education this last legislative session, over $10 million just into STEM education alone in our STEM center. So so the effort, you know, we're uh, increasing awareness. Uh, we're actually taking and doing more things than we've done in the past, and we're pulling together. I'm very optimistic about what we can accomplish, but you know, we, we have a ways to go, and over these next seven or eight years, we really need to keep the pedal to the metal. Okay, well, thank you. Thank you, Jeff, for your call. Let's take a call from uh, Daniel now in Riverton. Hi, Daniel. Daniel, are you still there? Okay, we've uh, obviously lost Daniel. Let's take a call from Rich in Layton. Hi, Rich. Can we help you? Hmm, okay. What's going on well, here? We I'm got, not sure. It's not Halloween yet. we got goblins in the machine here. Okay, apparently we've switched those two callers. Hi, who's this? This is Rich. Hi, Rich. What can we help you with? Uh, well, I've got a question for the governor. I'd like to know what his thoughts are on making the process to become an applicant or get your name on the ballot um, for a Utah school board member um, more public rather than just, uh, um, as far as I understand it, it just goes in front of the governor and he gives the, a, the okay or not. Well, it's a little more complicated than that. Um uh, Rich, but it is confusing. I, I certainly agree that it's confusing and that we ought to see if we can't find a better way. Uh, we had kind of just elections at large in the past. Uh, it didn't receive a lot of attention. Uh, and so consequently, uh, it was just not a high-profile race. And yet the role they play on our state school board is one that's exceedingly important and maybe one of the most important elected offices that we have in the state. Um People did not want to have, at least at the time, partisan elections and go through the typical process that most of the rest of us go through. And so they came up with this kind of uh, goofy system where they have a committee that uh, is, uh, you have to take people from different sections of our society, from different regional locations, and it's a very strict requirement. So you get this cross-section of people throughout the state that are designed to go out and recruit people to run for school board. And as they recruit people to run for school board, they end up sending three names to me as the governor. And my 
responsibilities to pick two of the three. Now, since I've been governor, I've always picked the incumbent if they made it to the top three. I felt like they had the right to stand before the public. Uh, even though when it hasn't been maybe in my own best political interest or in, in my own, uh, uh, aligned with my own philosophy for education, I've picked the incumbent and somebody else. So I've tried to be as fair as I could about the situation. But that's the process we have in the law today. And obviously, if we don't like the law, then there's an opportunity to work with our legislative folks and see if we can change that. It's It's been looked at. Uh, the alternatives that have been brought forward have not been as acceptable as, uh, to the confusing process we have in place now. But I'm certainly willing to look at other opportunities and see if we can improve it. Okay, thank you for your call. And we did lose Daniel, but I want to just uh, quickly ask his question, Governor, because we're running out of time. And he wanted to know about admission, a quick admission to maybe the university for veterans. Is that a possibility? A quick admission to the university? Would uh, they be able to have like a preferred admission process? Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, Solid Community College has another alternative that has open admissions so there's other institutions besides the University of Utah. Some of our institutions, they have so many applications, they've got to, they've got to sift through them some way. I'm all for giving veterans a leg up. They serve, we can't tell them thanks enough. And Solid Community College is a good transition place where people that go there and then get into the university in a, in a two-step process. So maybe that's an answer for right now. But uh, uh, each school has the right to kind of set their own admissions policy. All right. We are going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to meet Utah's new lieutenant governor. And this will be a four-minute break for our stations along the Utah Radio Broadcasters Network. Quiet time at Sundance Resort is the perfect time to experience all that the resort offers in the beauty of autumn. Created by Robert Redford, Sundance is a haven for discovery and inspiration. Only an hour's drive from Salt Lake City and 45 minutes from Park City, Sundance is the resort you've dreamed about. Sundance features 95 rustic, elegant mountain cottages that echo the simplicity of its natural setting and 10 beautiful mountain homes perfect for a family gathering. Award-winning dining in the Fountain Grill, a wellness-inspired spa, and an art studio that features classes in painting, pottery, and jewelry making. All make Sundance your perfect mountain getaway. Or maybe just take some time out of your busy day for lunch, a spa treatment, or an art class. Sundance offers the perfect experience for you and your family. For more information on Sundance, call 888-496-8214 or simply visit SundanceResort.com. It's time to protect and customize your truck. Jordan Camper at 7000 South State in Midville is the place for truck accessories, such as side steps, drop-in and spray-in bed liners, towing products and wiring, toolboxes, roof racks, cargo liners, cargo carriers, all-weather floor mats, mud flaps, fender flares, bug guards, side window guards, bed mats, bed rug, grill guards, bed slides, and much, much more. If they don't have the item you want in stock, they'll gladly order it for you. Fast professional installation on everything they sell. Jordan Camper carries the highest quality of truck covers, work shells, and fiberglass and commercial toppers for your truck featuring ARE. Mention this ad and they'll give you dealer pricing. Jordan Camper, 7000 South State in Midville. Check out our website, jordancamper.com. 
Ranger Station, Ranger speaking. Yeah, hi. I'd like to report a bear sighting. Location? Uh, in the woods, just outside of town. Oh, not surprising. You've got your home. Bears have theirs. Yeah, but see, this wasn't just any bear. This bear was wearing jeans and a hat, as in a smoky bear. Jeans and a hat. That's definitely smoky. What exactly did he have to say? Well, we were about to head home, you know, after having a bonfire. Oh, I can guess where this is going. Right, right. See, Smokey told me the fire wasn't actually out. He said if it's too hot to touch, it's too hot to leave. That's true. Did you know that 9 out of 10 wild fires are caused by humans that means nine out of ten wildfires can be prevented wow no kidding i'm a forest ranger we never kid sorry <laughs> that was a joke oh if you see someone in danger of starting a wildfire step in and make a difference because nine out of ten wildfires are caused by humans brought to you by smoky bear the u.s forest service your state forester and the ad council learn more at smokybear.com only you can prevent wildfires Rocky Mountain Gun Shows. Don't miss our biggest Rocky Mountain Gun Show of the year. October 26th and 27th at the Southtown Expo Center. With year-end closeout prices on truckloads of guns and ammo so you can buy in bulk. Plus $39 CCW permit classes. And we're giving away five free guns and 10,000 rounds of ammo. Info and discount coupons at RockyMountainGunShows.com. Rocky Mountain Gun Shows. I'm Darren Porter with Performance Audio. We're a small company, but we have a lot going on. So we wanted a health plan that would meet all of our needs. Regions Blue Cross Blue Shield helps us offer three different plans and two networks with what they call employee choice. So our people can customize their benefits and decide the best way to spend their health care dollars. It's like a great sound system. Every component really works. Regions, your health connected. Regions Blue Cross Blue Shield of Utah is an independent licensee of the BCBSA a segment where I get to ask the governor questions, uh, but tonight we are going to meet Utah's new lieutenant governor, Spencer Cox, and welcome, and we're both going to quiz you a little bit here. Welcome. Thanks, Maria. Hey, Spencer. Good. Hello, governor. <laughs> Go nice ahead, governor. You. you start out. Okay. I, here's one. Uh, what was your first thought when I asked you to become the lieutenant governor? What went through your head? I thought I was being punked, governor. <laughs> <laughs> And then I got really excited. And now you know you're getting paid. That's That's right. <laughs> so what do your kids think of the job? Uh, my, my kids are excited. I don't think they knew quite what to expect. Um, the first question I get all the time is, what does the lieutenant governor do? And I said, mm. I don't know, but I'll find out. <laughs> no, they're, they're very excited. Great. You know, people hear that you're in a band. You're kind of a rock guy. and at least. But I'm not certain. Tell me about your band and what you like to play. What kind of music do you guys Yes, yeah, so uh, a lot of people don't start bands in their mid-30s, but my brother and I uh, decided to do that. We have a lot of fun. Uh, we do play rock and roll and uh, alternative rock and roll. Uh, we do a lot of U2 and, and uh, some of those bands, but uh, we also do a little Johnny Cash, Governor, so yeah, some, right. some Folsom and Prison Blues. <laughs> okay, Halloween go. next week. What are your kids going to be? A mm, lot of Avengers going on in my oh, house. Oh, okay, little yes. boys? Yeah, three boys and a girl. Okay. Yeah, lots of Avengers. Yeah. You know, I'm a sports guy. I like sports. I play a lot of sports. What's your favorite sport? Basketball. It's always been basketball. Me and you, buddy, one on one. That's right. Anytime. I can't. I can't wait. I'm, I'm horrible, but I love it, Governor. <laughs> okay, tell us about what what you like most about Fairview. So I was born and raised in Fairview, sixth generation in Fairview. We don't get out much, Maria, but we love it down there. And uh, the thing I like most, uh, just the people, uh, family. Uh, th- that's the best part about living in Fairview is being close to family. You know, you're raised on a farm or a ranch. What was it? 
Uh, farm. Farm. Tell me what you've learned from being raised on a farm that we can all learn from. Well, it's it's just hard work. Uh, a lot of hard work with little return, but but very rewarding at the same time. Getting up before school, uh, moving those sprinkler pipe every morning. Uh, they don't move themselves and uh, <laughs> learned a lot of responsibility that way. Okay. The most important thing you've learned from being a legislator? How to get along with other people. Um, there's 75 members of the House of Representatives, and uh, you've got to convince at least half of them to, to vote with you. And so those relationships are so important. The relationships really do matter. Besides getting to work with me... <laughs> What's your favorite part about the job? Well, uh, it, it, it's got to be working with the people. Um, just just today I had an opportunity at two events to work with uh, with our Hispanic community in the Chambers of Commerce there. And uh, just a tremendous amount of energy, entrepreneurism, and and working with, with that community today was, was wonderful. So really traveling the state and getting to, getting to meet new people. Okay, I know you're a big social media guy. Here's a surprise question for you. Do you plan to still be tweeting? You're going to be on Twitter while you're in office? I absolutely plan to be on Twitter and Facebook. And uh, I believe that social media is critical for reaching out to to uh, our constituents, the, the people that voted for me, well, the people that voted for the governor, and mm-hmm. uh, and communicating with them, letting them know what's happened. It, it's, it's the best way to reach out on a daily basis and, and just keep people informed. Next to you, of course. On a daily basis? What? Yeah, I'm supposed to be informing people. What? What do you plan to do on a daily basis? Oh, there are so many exciting things happening that if I don't tweet or post something on Facebook every day, I'm probably doing it wrong. You know, you're from rural Utah. You served on my rural partnership board as a chairman with a former lieutenant governor. Uh, you tell me what the people along the Wasatch Front should know about rural Utah. What's what's really surprising to people about rural Utah is all of the um, really the economic development that's happening out there. Now we need more of it, but there's some pretty sophisticated things going on. We had an opportunity to have um, the Speaker of the House and some legislators down uh, our way a, a couple weeks ago to see some incredible manufacturing uh, manufacturing of prosthetic limbs, uh, uh, gun manufacturers down there. Just some some cool things that are happening in rural Utah that that people probably don't know. Very nice to meet you. And, Governor, we had so many people with so many questions that all I can hope is uh, that they will call back next month for Let Me Speak to Let's Governor. invite them to call back. We'll see you again in a month and do this again. All right. Thanks for joining us. You've been listening to Let Me Speak to the Governor. It's Whipple time. Time for a Whipple plumbing drain cleaning moment. Turning the faucet on or flushing causes water to go down the drain, then into a larger pipe between the house and the street, then into a much larger city sewer pipe and onto the sewage treatment plant. Dirty water is not supposed to go down into the basement, pull up around your ankles, or come up the floor drain. To find out and fix the underlying problems causing drain blockages, there is no better company than Whipple Service Champions. And today for just $49, we'll unplug any drain in your house, even if it has roots. Just $49. We're expert pipologists skilled at identifying the underlying problems behind drain blockages and correcting them with state-of-the-art trenchless and high-pressure jetting solutions. No company has more expertise in this area. Call Whipple Service Champions. Call 444-FAST-TODAY. 444 fast for emergencies when you call today we come today ksl fm midvale ksl salt lake city